You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webmaster Radio. Let's try that one again. Hey, everyone, welcome to Webology on webmasterradio.f. It is the uh, 14th of April, 2016. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And uh, I missed last week's show. I All, all, all apologies. Um, I don't even know what we talked about, but I know it's been a wild two weeks in tech. Dave, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. You're right. It has been uh, been a great couple weeks. And uh, looking forward to jumping right into things. Uh, before we uh, before we get to that, though, you um, you've had some weird weather out there, from what I hear. We have had some weird weather, but you know what? It's over. It's springtime. Um, it's not going to go below freezing again on the east coast from now until like you know next week or so. So it's springtime. <laughs> um, yeah, it has been weird, but it has been weird. But we'd like to report it's all better now. <laughs> and on that note, friends, summer's almost over. Like, really? <laughs> it's coming, I swear to you. Get out there and enjoy this year. Um, some listeners might know I've had a pretty heavy six months in my personal life. Uh, but two weeks from now, that's over. And uh, I'm serious. Get out there and enjoy outside as much as you possibly can. Indeed. And you know what? Now is the time we have to remind our listeners, you need to start preparing for the holiday season. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Absolutely. The moment it starts getting warm, get ready for it to get cold. 
because um, especially with uh, with a gajillion changes happening in the web ecology, and Dave, when we tell people to get ready for the Christmas season, like seriously, that's nine months down the road, right? Yeah, you could you could have a baby in that time, <laughs> um, and you could also do a whole bunch of stuff to your website. And make all the right changes because it's exactly what Google's been telling you to do. Mm-hmm. And by the time you get to Christmas, like you found out that they really don't care about all the stuff that you've done. For instance, <laughs> funny thing happened over at the Search Engine Journal conference the other day. Okay. Um, one of my favorite Google commentators, uh, uh, Miley Oily. Was uh, was up on stage talking about um, accelerated mobile mobile pages, AMP AMP pages, and whether you should use AMP as a replacement for a you know uh, a site that's already mobile friendly or one that's using responsive design. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what would you think? Would you think that's that you know after all the hype around AMP that you, you probably should or should you not? What do you what do you what, what do you think? Um, you know, my instinct, and I know the official answer, but I'm going to let you get to that. My instinctive answer is, you know what, it really depends what kind of, um, to feed out those AMP pages because they're awesome and you've worked out the advertising side. You know, maybe you want to look at it. Um, if you're, you know, a brick and mortar, you know, you need the rest of your site to function properly. A stripped down version just doesn't pass that mobile experience. No, but why don't you tell us the googly answer? Well, I'll tell you my interpretation of what I think the googly answer is. How's that? Because <laughs> you'll have one Googler tell you one thing and another Googler tell you another, so there is no Google answer. I'm, <laughs> I'm of the opinion that there is no actual opinion. Um, but what I think she said, and again, this is Miley. She's uh, one of the smartest people um, anybody would have the pleasure of ever meeting. Okay, Miley is really 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 smart yeah and she suggests that if you already have like a responsive design site or, or a mobile site that's good i mean use amp pages as well but keep your mobile site keep your responsive design site here's why right now amp is only rolled out in 12 of uh what 180 some odd countries google serves only rolled out in 12 and AMP results for like publisher and news sites are only showing up in the new in the uh, news pack right now anyway. So you're not getting a lot of mileage out of these AMP sites as things stand today. Um, if you were to ditch your responsive design site, or you were to totally ditch your uh, mobile friendly site. Um, oh, and also um, there's a, there's a number of uh, cell phone browsers, mobile phone browsers that aren't compatible with AMP. So you ditch your mobile uh, site now in place of AMP. And you might be getting less than zero because <laughs> you're, you're not being viewed properly on uh, on phones that aren't amp uh, amp capable. And also, you know, in the majority of the uh, world, you're not being seen. Well, indeed, and I have to also think somewhere behind the scenes, somebody at Google is going, "We're smarter than you," meaning that they um, and Google are smarter than me a website owner. Um, there's going to be different kinds of queries. So there's going to be different user intents into different points on your site. Um, 
that are going to have different layout requirements. For example, AMP versus a traditional mobile design, right? When a person is coming into my site, what is their intent? When they're coming into an internal page, what is their intent? I have a feeling Google, long term, would actually rather see both versions of the site and be left to do their own testing and going, these types of queries, yes, these are AMP, right? It's clear they're just wanting to read an article and they just want information. Um, you know, and then for different types of queries, the intent may be different. And so a more traditional mobile site may suit, uh, suit the searcher and, and their users a little better. And I think Google has a, a tendency of going, we're the smartest kid in the room and just give us everything we could possibly want and we'll figure it out from there. Whether they do that well or not, totally different question and, and we can debate that. But, um, you know, I, I have a feeling long term, they're probably going to want every possible permutation and then they'll you know, set their AI bots to figure out which one works best. Which, you know, brings us to the really important point. Something I called a client on the other day. Um, might, might have saved them a whole lot of heartache. Keeping your canonicals straight. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, man. When you, got, when you got four or five versions of the same site, but, you know, slightly different layouts and stuff, what's mm -hmm. the version you know, the truth, the version of the website, the one that is gospel, that's that set in stone, which is the yeah. one that you really want Google reading. Well, it, it could be any one of them. It almost doesn't matter, but make sure Google knows. Um, I would Indeed. say it's a desktop site personally, but that's, that might be a personal bias, right? <laughs> yeah, because that's where we all got our start. But I think you're right. Historically, when Google is talking about things, even when... You know, mobile was really picking up a few years ago. The, the de facto was we're going to rank based on desktop and then, but you better have a mobile version, right? Mm -hmm. So that, that does seem to be the go-to now, whether that cascades into the future much further, you know, mobile first, um, you know, is, is still to be seen. But I think at this point, that's a, a fairly safe assumption. If you have to pick one, pick the desktop. Yeah, yeah. And again, making up pages. Make AMP pages to your blue in the face. Make lots of AMP pages. AMP is good for its application. But it's not being applied as frequently today as it probably will be in the future. And this goes back to Dave, to, uh, the, the, just really me smartassing about the comment you made about Christmas, which is absolutely true. Get your holiday stuff going now. But keep in mind, a lot of the stuff you do today, well, you know, totally the right things might frustrate the heck out of you come Christmas time because Google's not really paying attention to that anyway. Well, and one of the things that I think is really going to throw us a curveball is that clearly what Gary and Google were meaning was the next Penguin update is going to take place in Q4 of this year because it clearly wasn't last year they were referring to. Um, and then, you know, maybe postponed to Q1, but that's going to be 2017, so... Hey, right mid uh, as we start approaching the holidays, we've got to be prepped for a penguin somewhere in there because it's nowhere on the horizon right now. Well, the, 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 the long, slow march of the penguins <laughs> continues and continues and continues ad infinitum. I know it's um, it's crazy. It, uh, I can't even. You know, I, I've run out of jokes. I've run out of penguin jokes. It's been that long. And I'm you know what? This. I I know, and it is right. And you know what? One of our, our good friends, he's been on the show, was a couple weeks ago. He is in that same pain right now. Your friend of mine, Mr. Dave Harry, is doing a hangout right now talking about rank brain. And I, I speak of things that have been over-talked <laughs> right now, much to his point. 
flogging a dead horse that we ever uh, you know but you know what i think the most prescient question asked about rank brain in the uh last four weeks that people have been talking about rank brain was one that we asked on our own show as we were closing it off with uh jen slag and uh and david harry a couple weeks ago when i asked why the hell are we talking about rank brain <laughs> and it's important you know it's i was i was uh you know you know terry van horn eh uh, <laughs> I think everybody knows Terry. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I was over at his place last night. He, he lives in Toronto as well. And of course, we were talking about Rank Brain. Um, okay, just as a recap Rank Brain, technology used by Google to try to figure out the context of um, you know weird searches that it's never seen before. Of course, once it's seen that search, it's now seen it. So it, it's got a context for that particular search query mm-hmm. um that's that's rank brain rank brain helps google figure out what's what when it comes to what users are looking for how does that affect websites in the long run good damn question i think that's <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's that's the rundown on it right that'll cut it yep <laughs> yet we've spent four weeks talking about it you do it in four sentences so what does david know the rest of us don't know um, yeah, that is a good question. You know what? He reads a lot of white papers, patents, and, and the such, so he, he has a, a pretty good grasp on it, but he'd be the first to say, as, and here we are talking about it again, we got sucked back in, Jim. We keep trying to get out. They keep pulling us back in. Um, you know, it is, there's really very, very little you can do to prep for it, and I know we've talked about it before. My big interest is, okay, this is obviously a test. They're going to be deploying um, AI across a, a broader scope of the algorithm. That's to me where it's really interesting, not how's Google reacting to terms I can't possibly target because it's never seen them before. Um, and I think that's the problem that we're hitting with like, how do you optimize for rank brain? Well, I don't know. We don't even know the terms yet because they haven't been searched because that's when rank brain kicks in. Right? So what are you going to do? Keep providing some great content and timely so that when people are searching stuff the first time, you have a shot at it, but there's no algorithm to, to sort of adjust for. Um, and if there was, it'll be, you know, it's AI. It'll be, you know, tweaked and, and adjusted, you know, soon. So um, maybe we can, uh, we, can, we can classify this next story I want to jump to under crank brain. Okay. So um, another st- thing that we uh, constantly got drawn, drawn back into over and over and over again was the sad saga of Yahoo. Yeah. Which is mercifully, and, and quite sadly, but mercifully, almost over. Last week, Yahoo announced it was um, going to be selling off basically what's left of its search business. It's up for open bids, and I actually, I, th- I think um, later this week is the end of bidding. I mean, perhaps even tomorrow. So if you've you know got eleven million sitting around and you're looking for a search engine to throw in your closet or something, yeah, who's up for sale? You can put it in your garage. Um, I'm pretty sure you could actually fit it fit it in your glove glove compartment of your car now, unless you're driving the new Tesla, which doesn't have a glove compartment. Um, <laughs> uh, Google is the first of mine bidder for Yahoo's assets. I understand that Apple wants them and Amazon wants them as well. Um. Is there anything to think about this? No, I mean, all of this logic, it's just going to be interesting to see who the final the final win is. Um, one of the, the obvious questions that has to be asked is, if Google won, 
will that be allowed to happen? Right? And that would be a, a massive legal um, scenario that I, I think would be really, really interesting to watch. I almost hope Google wins just so I can watch what happens after. Um, because you know Microsoft and Amazon would, and Facebook would go after it, right, for, for monopolistic issues. Indeed, although that's almost like the old adage about the uh, about like professional generals fighting yesterday's wars, because I mean honestly, what's beside, beyond the patents and um, all the uh, user information Yahoo holds? When you're talking about the search engine itself, it's I mean it's just been so underfunded and underresourced and you know underwhelming. What's left? Yeah, I mean, I have a hunch they'd be buying. I mean, yeah, okay, some of the patents might be neat, but you know, I mean, I follow Google patents; they're winging out like twenty a day themselves. <laughs> I think they got that area covered pretty well. Um, you know, there is the market share of it. Um, you know, and then it'd be one thing I'd find really, really neat would be if they did get it. Hey, would they start feeding them a different page? Right? Like, would, would they actually display a different search architecture? Uh, and, and, and landing page for, for Yahoo users who obviously have different preferences, right? So what would, what would Google do with it? Because you couldn't just go, all right, well, all your bases belong to us, right? <laughs> Here it is, and then now you're done. Um, you know, sorry? It would, it would unleash its newest algorithm, crank brain. That's what it would do. And if it doesn't, we'll say it did, because no one else is going to care. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll have no listeners who've been using Yahoo to tell us we were wrong. Uh, so, you know, it's a win-win for everybody. Good humor and, uh, you know, kills a few minutes of radio time. <laughs> it's a sad thing, because Yahoo was so important to the ecosystem at one time. Yeah. But it, it goes to show, and you know what, I think for our next segment, we're going to have to go to break in a second, but... I wanted to talk about Yahoo leading into the next segment because I got a feeling Facebook, believe it or not, is, um, I think at the F8 conference earlier this week, Facebook might have jumped its own shark. Um, and, I, you know, that that's in the bot revolution or how revolting are the bots. Um, but we'll talk about that in a few minutes. We're, we're going to have to go to break here on Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. So, like, on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You listen to Webcology on the, four, on the 14th of April, 2016. Stick around. Lots of great content coming up after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at box speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. 
Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis. SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most compatible keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. And network on the internet. Um, and I want to then I want to talk about about Yahoo a little bit, just to sort of set the stage for um, a. Rather shocking statement, but Facebook is taking over the web. That's a safe, safe thing to say, right? Yep. Growing by leaps and bounds. It's um, quick. Look at your screen right now, everybody. You too, Dave. Yeah. You got a, a Facebook window open? Yeah, I have it in my top center monitor. Yeah. Imagine <laughs> the time on site stats Facebook has for each of its users. Yep. You know that's it's it's off the chart because it's open all day long, just sitting in one of your you know in one of your resident tabs. Facebook, um, again, Facebook is multifarious. Right? You could you, you could describe Facebook all day long and still not cover all the features that that Facebook users can use. But one of the most popular features is their messaging service. And uh, for mobile users, last year Facebook severed Messenger, making it into an app for for mobile devices. Um, well, keeping the desktop experience relatively similar, although now when you when you use Messenger, you're often prompted to open a, a fresh page opens with a whole bunch of ads on it. Um, at the F8 conference, Facebook's annual um, Aren't We Amazing conference, this year, Facebook announced it was opening its artificial intelligence and its APIs, its advanced programming interfaces, to allow bots to answer queries in Messenger for its commercial clients. For instance, and uh, did, did you guys uh, over at Beanstalk, do you guys do any social media support for any of your, any of your clients? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Would I know, trust a bot I, to do it? No. <laughs> well, okay. but, but you know that you got to monitor. Uh, you have to be aware when a question's asked, and you know you want to answer that question as quickly as possible, preferably within 15 minutes of it being asked, right? Yeah. And that's like on the outside. So what if it's, uh, you know, say, um, uh, just for the sake of argument, and I happen to know Tourism Whistler is one of your clients, and you're doing social media monitoring for them, and somebody asks what the uh, ski conditions are in Whistler. Well, Dave, I mean, seriously, why should you why should you monitor and answer a question 
that is available on 16 different websites at the same time. You know, that information, more than, let me Google that for you. <laughs> like, why don't <laughs> you have a bot? Google it for or, or produce it for, for, for the user, right? Right. Because that's simple information. What's the temperature? It's uh, negative two and snowing. It's beautiful. What's the ski- what's the snow base? Well, you know, it's a good twelve inches. Go for it. Um, you don't want bots answering every question, but there are you know a number of things that obviously bots can handle that humans can't. So, but my question, my question to you, to Facebook, to listeners, whoever, is: At what point do people get sick of this crap? <laughs> like such an inauthentic experience is is there a line you know what and i think there may be times there is and there may be times there isn't like in this one inherently i don't trust the system but you actually bring up some really good questions um you know in in some examples and i'm like yeah you know what in a scenario where google would provide sort of a, a featured snippet or a knowledge graph answer to something yeah, actually, most of those questions, what's the weather like in Whistler? Yeah, you know what? <laughs> actually, a bot could do that and go, right now it's this, and here's a link to the seven-day forecast. Right? There you go. And it would do it a lot faster than, than you or any of your employees ever could. Yeah, well, exactly. I can't type that fast. I don't, you know, like, at, you know, at the speed of light, because we're dealing with fiber here. <laughs> you know, so um, so you're right. I mean, there there are some questions that they could handle well. Um, of course, what I would like to see, and this will be on, on the companies themselves, is, you know what, let's start it with a bot and go, the bot has just tried to answer your question, you know, and then some sort of, you know, if you need a, a human, let us know. <laughs> if that didn't answer your question, by all means, you know, we tried to do it fast with a bot. You know, let us know and then have somebody ready and waiting to answer those questions if you're going to try and go that route. Well, indeed. But then um, but then you have to have somebody ready and waiting. So your query volume through social would have to be pretty high. I mean, you got to have like one seriously popular Twitter account that isn't run by Microsoft's AI because you get in trouble with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to have one seriously uh, active Twitter account to get the kind of volume where you have an employee who is capable of being like the standby social person, either the dedicated or they're doing link building. Let's face it, right? <laughs> we're we're yeah. running businesses here. Um, if they're doing link building, then they're in one of those head spaces where you don't necessarily want them answering social questions for your, for your client. <laughs> you know what? There is one of um, my favorite restaurants here. It's called Little Jumbo. Free little plug for them, not that any of you are in Victoria. Anyway, um, what they do is they actually have their person, front of house, the one who, you know, seats and greets you on your way in, sitting there with a laptop open at all times. That's just what they do. I'd actually done a review for them on Foursquare. While I was sitting there, Married had to run to the washer or something, so I did, like, a, you know, a review and a, and a check-in on Foursquare. They came over, thanked us, and gave me a dessert. They were that fast. Um, and it costs them. So those are the sorts of environments, you know, tourism whistle. You got somebody sitting there waiting to answer the phone. Have your, you know, <laughs> have Facebook open, have Foursquare open, right? Have Yelp open, whatever. I know they're they're big into Instagram. So like, you know, have these things open and ready. Um, and it actually doesn't. If you do it right, for some companies, you can't, right? Like for for us, for example, like I can't be sitting there because I have to be working. 
Well, yeah. right? like, <laughs> so, but if you have somebody whose job it is, is to basically be sitting there waiting to answer somebody's question. Yeah. You know, well, put that in front of them. You know, that, and that just made me think, um, some of the more traditional businesses, you, you're talking about in the, in the restaurant industry, some of the more traditional restaurants that, you know, might have a concierge or a, uh, a, uh, door person with, um, with a laptop open in front of them. Right. Um, how much are they missing? Like, how much? How? When is the last time you picked up a phone to make reservations when you could use uh, the web instead, or to order oh, pizza, I, for that matter? I, I, I can't even think of the last time I've made a reservation. Like in in actual, like like you say, in calling. Like I'll do it online often. Well, <laughs> but, this this is another application of. Uh, of, of the bot environment in Facebook Messenger. This one's a little bit spooky. Um, for real, this is, this is these are, actually, this is Danny Sullivan's words, not mine. You know, you can trust Danny all the time over, <laughs> over, over us radio announcers, but no, honest to goodness, this, this is out of a Search Engine Land article. Your phone is already constantly listening to you if you're using like an Android or an Apple device. It's already happening, friends, like it or lump it. Um, but if you have Messenger open, if you've been using Messenger and you didn't actually specifically close it on your phone, mm-hmm. and you're you know just you know having a conversation with somebody, I could really go for some pizza, Dave. Boom! Up comes Messenger asking if you want to order one, and giving you a you know choice of pizza places that you know, your phone is telling you that you've ordered from recently. Yeah. Neat, huh? it's funny it's one of those things that instinctively you're like well that's actually kind of spooky yeah it's only spooky because they're telling you what they already know right like that's the creepy part the creepy part isn't that it's doing it the creepy part is the reminder that they're collecting this data already yeah whether they you know they're they're now offering me a convenience in exchange for that data that they've been collecting so hey actually at the end of the day it's better um but of course it, it raises privacy concerns and you know all those all those uh, articles uh, are about how you know futurists and programming and all that, and how much we've been informed by the Star Trek universe. Mm-hmm. This is very much like having um, Facebook is trying to copy Siri in in its Facebooky way, and this is very much like having the Star Trek Star Trek computer with you all the time, except yeah. the Star Trek computer had the politeness of uh, or was polite enough to. Uh, back off until you actually said computer <laughs> or slap yourself on the chest whichever right um, yeah okay, so now it's trying to predict what you want instead but indeed which again is kind of cool and i think a serious boon to marketers um if i had a if i had a client who ran a pizza place in my stable right now you better believe we'd be interested in this like, absolutely. Again, the question is, how much is the business missing if they don't open themselves up to a myriad of different means of communication now, one of which is going to be Facebook messengers and bots like it or lump it? Yeah. Um, you know what? We're, we're, we're on the, the subject of things that are creepy. I'm going to go to something we were chatting with a couple weeks ago, Beacon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually weren't chatting about beacons specifically, but, you know, here we are. Um, and we actually were indirectly talking about beacons. Anyway, these are, we were talking about when you're in a store and the store knows where you are. Yeah. Um, anyway, Google 
and this uh, this just came out earlier uh, earlier today over on Wired has finally moved that technology the step further that it needed to go, and that is to secure the beacons. And that's how it's done. It's done with these beacons that sort of are detecting where you are in an environment. Um, Apple's been big on them. Google's been big on them. One of the problems is, and it just uses standard Bluetooth to, to know because it's low frequency, um, to figure out where you are, what direction you're likely facing, all of that sort of fun stuff. The weakness was they were not secure and they couldn't be at the time. Um, anyway, Google's worked so, that out. You can expect beacons in a lot more places now. <laughs> because they have secured them. A lot of people aren't using them right, but Macy's, for example, is uh, in the store. Um, Interesting thing here, Dave. My uh, my partner, Alan Kanek, has uh, been working with Billy Bishop Airport in Toronto, the, the island airport just off of uh, downtown Toronto. Yeah. They just built a, uh underground walkway to get from the mainland to the island where the airport is. Okay. In that walkway, you have these endless escalators. And, uh, I mean, like, because, you know, you're, you're 140 feet underground. Right. So you have an endless escalator to get back up to, to, uh, to the, the terminal of the, of the airport. And in these escalators are um, electronic ads, electronic billboards. Alan's contract has been to do analytics for the island airport around these billboards. And if you're signed into your um, Wi-Fi access at the airport, it is tracking. They're tracking everything you know, everything you do in relation to these billboards as you go up these endless escalators. His study is fascinating, and he wrote it up in the most in uh, I think Monday's Marketing Land. Interesting. So, uh, well, that's going to be a read. So this, you know, like this isn't coming. This is actually here. You know. <laughs> and they are serving information to the, you know, they're serving information to consumers that consumers are uniquely interested in. So there is a personalized Dave Davies advertising set that you may see a lot more frequently in the future, like retargeted ads that follow you around the web. Well, that's it, and I can't help but think, hey, what if this airport uh, got together with? Let's go to somebody we've been talking about, Facebook, and had Facebook selling ads for what displayed on there, right? Why does it have to be local stuff? Why not have, well, Facebook knows where I was. They know where I am now, you know, and now here are some ads to other things that I've probably seen on the web somewhere. You're right. It's going to be a, it's going to be a brave new world coming up here, um, and we've got some lots of neat stuff. Now, you'd sent a link, Jim. Maybe you can talk about uh, what's going on here. Click jacking. Oh, okay, well. Sure. This is a fun story, and this is one that uh, has been around for ages. It's a fe- it's especially affected the affiliate marketing sector, and um, it's a problem. I guess this has been a problem for at least a decade. Using a variety of means, the most popular of which is SQL injection into an unsecured WordPress site, stupid lawyers... Um, God, those idiots, eh? Always update yeah. WordPress, especially if the most powerful people in the world are your clients. Um, okay, so using SQL injection or other means, um, for instance, maybe you uh, you have a image, a uh, an image that you're using as a, as a link. 
But you remember image mapping from way back in the day when you could like, <laughs> take a certain section of an image and make that the clickable section of a link? Yeah. yeah. Well, you can actually do that and make most of the link go to one page, but if you click in the wrong spot on the, on, on the image, it goes to another using image mm-hmm. mapping. That would be an example of clickjacking. But again, the, the, the most frequent way is to take over somebody else's site and insert your own links where theirs are. That's clickjacking. You're taking somebody else's click. After who knows how long, because this has been a problem forever, Google is, well, they're taking both automated and manual actions against publishers using clickjacking t- techniques to trick users to either click on ads or, again, stealing somebody else's clicks. Um, I'm afraid I can't. we can't tell you exactly what they're doing because they're not telling us exactly what they're doing. Uh, the maximum punishment is death. You're banned from, from Google. But, of course, clickjackers will, you know, ban one URL. It's like cockroaches, right? Ban one URL, ten more pop up. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I had to wonder when I saw that, and we've all, well, we've all, okay, I mean, those of us in the tech world have been to various download sites. I mean, legitimate ones or like you're looking for, you know, drivers for something that's, you know, a bit older or something like that. And you go there and you see these buttons that are like download. And clearly the person has crafted a button that says download and it's been placed on the page, but it's actually some sort of ad, right? They've tricked you. And I had to wonder, like, it's not what they're covering here, but is that sort of deception also included in this, right? Where you're actually placing a download button onto a software site in a location I would rightfully think was a logical place to put a download button, but no, the download button's a text button like two inches lower, and you've just tricked me into clicking that link. Oh, this is like the answers.com ad dodge, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I uh, have to wonder if that's something that they'll be tackling as well. It's just that, uh, yeah, I've, that's, I've never heard that as a click jacking concern, although no. um, it's annoying as hell and it screws the user experience. So Google absolutely should be going after that. I'm, I'm, you know, on Facebook, those are often, you know, because these guys, these guys write clickbait like nobody's business. So those are often some of the most compelling headlines. You really want to click on it, and then you see, oh, damn, it's Amstrad.com. I can't. Get <laughs> we can have a crappy yeah. experience. Although, I mean, I'm not that I'm suggesting people do this. I'm not. But I mean, Dave, like in a uh, impression-driven world. That's how you make money as a publisher these days, by making those crappy pages. Yeah, and then, of course, the problem becomes, and you you touched on it just like 30 seconds ago. And then at some point, though, you start looking at domains and going, yeah, no. <laughs> right, and just avoiding it altogether, they could have had a click. They got more ad units for a fixed period of time, but now they're getting none because I won't even go there anymore. Right, well, and... I know. Never for, underestimate the uh, never underestimate the capacity of Facebook and internet users to be absolutely stupid. Yeah, <laughs> it is true. Say, like, and there's new ones born every day. Yeah, I'm afraid so. Uh, not for long though. As soon as as soon as people start living forever, we'll start we'll stop having babies. And when that happens, they'll be they will stop having new internet users born every day, and eventually these kind of pages will go away. So don't fret. It'll be solved, but probably not in our lifetime. Yeah. 
<laughs> okay, what else do we got here? I mean, clickjacking is a fun one. I really hope Google goes hammer and tong on these guys because, um, I mean, aside from the fact that it's offensive, um, that's, you know, if, if you're a publisher, I'm a publisher, that's our work. You know, I, we worked for that. Yeah. Don't steal, don't steal my clicks, bro. Um, <laughs> okay, I, I don't know what, I'm not sure if we should take a break now. Or under the landscape of link building. You know what? One quick story, then we got to take a break, okay? Sounds good. This also comes from uh, Miley Oily's uh, uh, talk at the Search Engine Journal conference uh, that happened earlier this week. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those I honestly can't believe she had to say this, but she went ahead and had to say it anyway. Um, if you're using... The rel equals canonical tag, which you should be using in, in the right circumstances, or if you're using href language tags, you know, href lang, if you want Google to note them, keep them inside the head section. That's that. <laughs> uh, information to new webmasters there's a head section, open head, end head. There's a reason. <laughs> that. That's where Google gets... Google doesn't actually read source code much anymore. It renders pages, and it reads it's, you know, reads what it sees as it renders the page, but it reads head information. And that's where you got to put all your instructions to Google, like, uh, look over there for the actual accurate version of this page, or um, look over there for the French and the Italian and the German languages of this page. Put them inside the head section before the end head, and then they'll actually work. Yeah, it is kind of sad that they did have to note that. Best practice has always been there. At the same time, I don't blame some newer ones, only because we've I've seen it, you've seen it. So many times you see things that, yes, you're supposed to put something in a specific location, but it works just fine when you don't. Well, um, she points out, and very, very... This is a really good point, and I didn't actually think of the reason that had to. I've always just put it there because you're supposed to. Um, I never actually thought of the reason, and the reason she listed, and so people, this is what makes this really important, is if you didn't use canonicals, and you had, a, say, a, a strong site, and you could just put the canonical anywhere you wanted on a page, and you allowed something like, say, comments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> somebody could start dropping canonical tags into your comments, and... Now you've lost, right? Like now Which you're losing. Would be a form of clickjacking. <laughs> yes, it would. Um, you know, so I mean, there's there's a good reason for these things, and you know what? Just at the end of the day, just go with the best practices because there's a reason they're there, and this is the sort of thing you want right up front and center, and, and one of the first things that Google's picking up, whether it worked somewhere else on the page or not. This is important information, and and you want it front and center. Well, also, like, especially in, in, in relation to rel equals con- uh, canonical, that pro- like the protection it offers, because your users can't mess with your head section. Right. But Google can- Google will read that stuff. Google's not going to read your source code. It's not going to read all through your source code. That doesn't happen anymore. But it does parse everything in the head section. Okay. Yeah. It's a quarter to the top of the hour. we got to take a break here on Webcology and webmasterradio.fm. So on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. It's the 14th of April, 2016. Stick around. Coming back with more after these messages. 
Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? I'm David Ogletree, president of WME Training. Did you know that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average? At WME Training, we can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the marketing experts at WMETraining.com. The Web Marketing Association presents Green Moments in Website History. 1994, Trey G browses with a high-speed 56K modem. 1997, Donnie W discovers scrolling. 2006, Smudges the Cat becomes an animated GIF. What is your great moment in website history? The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries for the International Web Award Competition. Web Marketing Award winners receive an image plaque, certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from our expert judges, and links to your site from the highly ranked Web Award site. Visit webaward.org to nominate your company, site, or organization. Deadline for entries is May 31st, 2016. Go to webaward.org and sign up today. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics. So you know their SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PPC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. We're back here on webmasterradio.fm. It's the uh, 14th of April, 2016. It's Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And uh, we got about seven minutes left in the show. Uh, a couple things I'm not... I really want to jump into the landscape of link building. I think it's an important... Dave, uh, did you see the survey that was published in Search Engine Land uh, earlier this week on link building? I did not. I Well, you have sent it. Yes, now I have seen it. I hadn't seen it when it first came out. <laughs> Interesting stuff. No matter what uh, people's opinion might be about Google and Penguin and, you know, the... All the stuff around, you know, it's, it's almost like there's been a moratorium on link building or a sense there's been a moratorium on link building because of Penguin. But in fact, there hasn't been and there shouldn't have been because links are still critical to, you know, the operations of Google. Um, as it turns out, uh, Moz did a survey on link building, uh, state, of the, state of the link building survey. And um, it turns out about a third of SEO work campaign, you know, time spent on uh, SEO work is actually on link acquisition. Mm-hmm. You see, that's about accurate. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, it varies. You know, sort of client to client. Some are heavier, some are lighter. 
Um, how long have they been a client, right? Like if you've gotten all there, and I'm sure you face these things too. If they've got sort of a fixed size site, i.e. you're not pumping out more and more copy and there's really no need to, um, and you've done most of the on-site work, well, obviously now we're skewing from those time ratios for that specific client because you've kind of done most of the on-site stuff. <laughs> yeah, you're tweaking on the fly or adding some new copy on the fly, but um, you know, more and more time gets gets um, you know put to external social signals, citations, link building, stuff like that. Um, as opposed to earlier on, I, I find it tends to be heavier in the on-site stuff. So as it works out, you're absolutely right. And the number one means of link building is content publication, promotion, guest blogging, etc. Counts for ninety percent of the effort. 90% of the effort in link building, or I'm sorry, about that, it's hard reading stats like this. 90% of respondents use this as their number one tactic. After that comes, you know, the building of, list, building of or listing on resource pages or list of links. Digital public relations, local citations, and um, just mentions, unlinked mentions. Ones where you're not even getting a link, but you're getting a brand mention. Mm-hmm. That matters. That counts. Shows a little bit of heat around a around a term, at any rate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you say? What what's uh what's your favorite method of, of link building, David? The one, one that you find oh, effective. That is that is so tough. My I mean because it is so case case to case, right? Um, you know, when I'm dealing with local, for example, one of my favorites, and it just makes sense because it's local, is citation stuff, right? Like making sure that, you know, Google My Business, Foursquare, Yelp, you know, boom, boom, typical local stuff, right? But they're local. So that's, you know, and it counts as link building because you get a link from mm-hmm. Foursquare, Yelp, or whatnot. Absolutely. Um, so, so that I would say is, is, is a no brainer. Um, but once you get outside the local scope or say once all that stuff's done and now you're trying to find some new stuff to do, my go-to is, and I, I, I use it, I'm going to use an overused term, but I, I like to go the link bait approach, right? To either do something or create something, um, you know, be it, Hey, it's a press day and we're going to have all the press come and enjoy whatever product or service it is, you know, get press from the local area or create something that is key in your industry. A great analysis of, you know, to use something I would do, a great analysis of a patent or something, you know, I'll call it great because I did it and I like me, (laughs) (laughs) you know, or, or something like that, right? Where I would create that or, you know, something like that for clients. Those are my favorites because... And for the for the obvious reasons, one local and citations you need to do, and when it comes to you know inviting a bunch of press out to enjoy a, a service or a product or whatnot, or you know without the need to review it, um, you know, or um, you know something like creating a document that other people like or, or something that other people are going to like, you know, it's it's pretty hard to to fault that, right? Like it's hard for Google to come in and go, here's a problem. It's like, no, I just, I did what you told me to do. <laughs> so. Okay, here's, uh, and then here, you, you got you to nearly poison them to get a bad review if you're feeding the press, right? <laughs> yeah. Here's something that really surprised me. Like, this honestly blows, blows me off my seat. What do you think, well, you, having read this, you'll already know the answer, but would you have thought that the number one SEO tool you used in link building campaigns is Google Analytics or Search Console? No, I have, you know, yes, I, I would. I'd be surprised by its position, 
But I think it might be a bit misleading, um, the data, you know, lies, damn lies, and statistics, because every, everybody uses it. So now everybody across the board is going to be including that in their list, but all of us will use other things. Now, are we all using another similar tool where you can say we're splitting the vote with Ahrefs, Majestic, and Moz as a link tool, but it's getting split by three. I mean, way more than three, but, you know, I'm just listing those three. So analytics will be on all of ours, and then all of us will have one of these other tools. Um, I mean, I have all three, and a lot of, I know a lot of people who do have more than one of them, but most people don't. So. Yep. Very good point. Very good point. I, I, I almost wish they didn't put Google Analytics or Search Console in this uh, survey for that reason. Yeah. Because um, I, 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 I don't think it's a fair answer. I don't, I don't think we're getting a, a fair view of um, how people really use uh, tools. I mean, Screaming Frog isn't on this list, for goodness sake. Right, right. Something I do like to see, though, is that people are going to those, which is nice for us to get as that take, and it should have been its own separate question or something, but it's like, how many people are using Google Analytics and Search Console? Because that is important to know. Yeah, mine your own links. Find out what's working. <laughs> like, find out what your top pages are. Find out what... Um, you know, links that you have, you know, go through and, and, and find out where your traffic's coming from and go, those links, those ones that are driving traffic, Google can't help but value those. Why? Because they're the ones that drive traffic, right? Like they're doing a dual function. They're giving you traffic and dollars to donuts, they're probably carrying some good link weight. Why? Because if they're passing value or if they're passing traffic, they've obviously got the signals Google would be looking for relevancy and, and 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 being on point click jacking aside um you know so these are the, these are the sorts of things that you know i i, I like to see but you, yeah you're right it should it should have been part of a different question although i i will say and i'm, I'm this, this this is going to be uh vague booking at best because it's the best i can do because i really can't say too much about this but uh, you can use Search Console to find out if your content delivery network is completely screwing you over or not. <laughs> oh my God, who's a client? A major publisher. Like we're we're talking. These guys measure their sessions in the tens of millions a month. Major publisher. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometime around oh I don't know Penguin one, like a while ago they got hit by a, a big penalty. New client. So I'm just doing my discovery work. I'm not actually digging in yet. I'm just trying to get a, a sense of who these guys are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look in Search Console and I see that they're number one, uh, number one uh, link reference. Oh, no. Happens to be one of their own servers. It's sitting on a content delivery network. And I've had this problem with problems at content delivery networks, the first of which is always denial. <laughs> it drives me crazy. Because <laughs> the CDN is always like, well, it's not our fault. Go ask Google. What? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go ask Google why somebody else's site is pointing 500,000 links back at me. <laughs> so, um, you know what? I do think we want to do a show on content delivery networks because they're necessary in the web ecosystem now. Mm-hmm. And they're tricky. They're finicky. Google will perceive duplicate content if your settings are wrong with a content delivery network, and you're going to get penalized. 
it's happened. It's happened to two of my clients. Um, that is, we were brought on, and both times the solution was found in the content delivery network. So um, you can you can use Search Console for that. I really wanted to rant about that earlier in the show because, like, it happened just earlier this week, and it made me so angry. Yeah. <laughs> I knew something was up, and I was waiting for a rant all show. There it was. Well, I can't. I the problem is I can't without getting into who the client is and the you know the the the, the scope of their the the site has gravitas. Let me tell you, it's got scope. But uh, one wrong setting, and Google suddenly perceived like uh, duplicate and in some cases triplicate content. All mm-hmm. co- all co- all because of. Um, Yes, uh, content delivery networks are used primarily for load balancing and also to make a the load load speed of a site faster in you know whatever part of the world you're in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that means you got X number of versions of your site out there. And yeah, oh, sorry. And that is the challenge. Well, uh, it, it occurs to me. It occurs to me, Dave, if we can have a, a canonical. For you know the correct website when in 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 relation to like you know mobile and uh, uh, amp and all that, why can't mm-hmm. we have a CDN canonical? This is right. the correct IP address. Use it every time. Right. And on that, we're out of time. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> curious. Week to, to save webmasters like lots of heartache. A canonical for content delivery networks. Okay, friends. Uh, that, that, that that was a fun show. Um, it's the end of it, though, I'm afraid. It's the 14th of April, 2016. This is Jim Hedrick from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. You've been listening to Webcology on Webmaster Radio. Stick around. Lots of great content coming up after the news. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.